Welcome to the inaugural season of For the Win, a USC Annenberg Media podcast on sports and storylines. I'm your producer, Eddie Sun, and now here are your hosts. Welcome to another episode of For the Win. I'm joined by my incredible co-hosts, Paris, Dylan, and Jordan. And we have so much to talk about today. So much to unpack. The NBA Finals are set with the Lakers in heat. Russell Wilson is balling out. The NFL is back. Oh man, it's going to be a good one. So to start off today, would this championship be the most meaningful of all time with the Los Angeles Lakers? In 24 years of watching basketball, I have never seen a game postponed. And the Lakers had three this season. The entire NBA was deeply affected by the racial injustice around the country that eventually led to the boycott. It's important to remember that this boycott happened inside a bubble in Disney World due to a global pandemic. On March 11th, the NBA shut down after Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19, creating the longest break from gameplay in NBA history and doubt the season would even resume. Before all of this, the Lakers had a game against the Clippers postponed when the greatest Laker of them all, Kobe Bean Bryant, tragically passed away in a helicopter crash on January 26. Now, the Lakers have made it back to their first NBA Finals since 2010 when they were led by the aforementioned Kobe Bryant. Everyone, what are your thoughts on if this championship would mean more than any in NBA history or be the most meaningful championship in Lakers history with the insurmountable adversity that they've had to overcome. What is your take on the adversity the Lakers have overcome and what this championship would mean? You know, Skylar, I think set upon the backdrop of everything you just listed, it is a perfect combination for a well-earned championship should the Lakers win it when the Lakers win it, maybe I should say. <laughs> I remember LeBron said in his post-game interview after game two against the Nuggets, I think, um, that he had wished AD was at the Staples Center to feel the full experience and the full gratification of what his final shot meant for the Lakers. Um, and for me growing up in LA, for me being so fortunate enough to been to many um, game Laker games at the Staples Center, I can't help but think of what it would have been like had the pandemic pandemic not happened you know um I was also able to go to Staples when Kobe had passed and you know I just think of the parades and the celebrations that we would have had and because of Kobe's passing I know that LA fans just would have gone that much harder for this team um you know LA is a very loyal uh fan base so I think the team has approached it in that way by fighting for the ship and knowing what it means without any doubt in their mind that they're going to get there. I think certain players, even LeBron, has been way more comfortable in putting other players in front of themselves for the overall success of the team and letting other people take those shots. Listen, growing up on the East Coast, I never really understood how much Kobe meant to the city until I actually got here and um, unfortunately saw how the city reacted. Um uh, to the passing of Kobe. I always knew he was like a larger than life figure on and off the court, but never really knew how much he meant to Los Angeles. And um, Skylar, you said, would this be the most significant or meaningful uh, championship of all time? Um, And I'm going to say possibly, but the word I'd really use here is um, 
is interesting. And the reason I say interesting over meaningful is because I believe if this was any other team uh, in the championship, it, it wouldn't really mean as much because no matter what, there's always going to be an asterisk next to the season because of all the uncontrollable factors that actually happen. But for the Los Angeles Lakers, this would be a fairy tale ending. You have LeBron who feels like he personally was snubbed uh, from the MVP and felt like Giannis took it away from him this season. This is finally his chance to redeem something for the city. And obviously you have, uh, you have Kobe Bryant sitting uh, um, on their shoulders watching, you know, and, and this is going to be something that's, that's really a pinnacle moment for them to, to, to make a name for them, uh, not make a name, but to make a, to make a real proving ground here. You know, as a lifelong diehard Laker fan, I've always ended the season with the hopes that the purple and gold would be raising the Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the season. You know, but that being said, this team simply does not have the emotional draw to it that Laker teams of the past have had for me. Before anyone jumps on me for, you know, being a fake Lakers fan, notice how I said team. There's no doubt that this season has been unlike any other due to the pandemic and the passing of our beloved Kobe Bryant. But, uh, however, when I watch this team, I feel there's something off about it. Um, there's no doubt that this team has a great amount of talent and great coaching. But for some reason, I feel like I'm not watching the Lakers. Um, it is my opinion that in the history of the franchise, the Lakers franchise, no one player has ever been larger than the franchise itself. Until now. Um... LeBron is not only a sports icon, but one of the world's most idolized public figures. We all know that. Um, but that being said, I feel like I'm kind of watching the Los Angeles LeBrons rather than the Lakers. You know, to Dylan's point, on paper, it sounds like a storybook ending, winning the championship for Kobe. Um, but that's really the only emotional draw I have to this team, unlike former years when I would pour my heart and soul into rooting for the purple and gold. As a lifelong Laker fan, too, I feel you on that, Jordan. I'm loving Anthony Davis. Hopefully he can uh, take a little bit of that purple and gold shine over the years to come. And uh, we'll have to see where this goes. Does this, mean, does this mean more with the bubble? Does it mean less? Is there an asterisk that it's worse? Is there an asterisk that it's great? So many questions, so much to unpack. But with that, we got to move on to our next. The Lakers are back in the finals and four games away from the promised land. But as for their greatest franchise rival, uh, things didn't quite go as well. Yeah, Skylar, you bring up a very interesting point here. There's a uh, the Lakers are going on to the promised land, but one team that is not. Where are the Celtics going to go from here? This is going to be a very crucial and important off season for the Boston Celtics. And uh, as I said last week, I saw it a mile away that the Miami Heat were going to be uh, in the finals this year. Uh, but I want to hear from you guys. What's going to happen this off season for the Celtics? And was this their chance to really do it? And and was it theirs theirs to blow away? I think it's time for the Celtics to, to become more aggressive. As we see last summer, they missed out on the Anthony Davis sweepstakes in favor of keeping their young core and talent together. And I think this upcoming offseason is the time where they need to exercise and see what else is on the market for some of their trade as, assets. If I were Danny Age, I would definitely make Tatum untouchable. We all know he's a franchise player and a future star, if not one already. Um, but as it concerns the rest of the roster... I would say that no one's off the table. A lot of people forget the East is only going to get stronger next season. KD and Kyrie are going to make their debut together in Brooklyn, and that's 
instantly going to make them a title contender. Toronto's also well-coached with championship experience, and that can certainly not be overlooked. This Heat team that's in the finals is only going to get better, and we have no idea where Giannis is going to end up next season, whether it be in the East or the West. So that being said, I think it's time for the Celtics to make a big move and start trading their picks and players, as they failed to make it out of the East with a similar roster over the past couple seasons. You know, those are some great points. Um, The East will be great this year. Kyrie and KD are coming back, and Brooklyn is going to be a force. However, Jason Tatum will be a star in this league for years to come and has the skill set to become one of the greats as long as he continues to put the work in. I think Tatum needs to reincorporate the mid-range game. He was taking threes and shooting layups the whole playoffs, and he's great from the mid-range with the fadeaway and the footwork. Um, He plays like Kobe. He trained with Kobe, just like Kobe and Michael had their video comparison that gained notoriety. The same thing happened with Tatum and his moves this year. But Tatum needs to employ these moves more regularly because... I didn't see much of them in this series against the Heat like I did earlier in the playoffs. And Kobe's his idol, and he needs to uh, continue paying respect to my man Kobe the way that he does, and the way that he has, and the way that he can. Walker and Brown are amazing, but I think this Celtics team can run it back with Brown and Tatum being a year older as long as Tatum applies his idol Kobe's mentality to his work ethic in the offseason, which I believe he will. This Celtics squad will go as far as Tatum can take them, and I think he's got the mentality to take them all the way. Skyler, you, you're forgetting one of their key franchise players, Taco Fall. You don't even <laughs> mention Taco Fall in the conversation? What's going on here? Um, nah, <laughs> the most I'm, I'm underutilized. <laughs> Seriously, an underutilized talent. and uh, No, I'm, I'm a huge uh, Taco Fall guy. That's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I think keywords you guys used were more aggressive and older. You know, I think Tatum is going to be fine. And by fine, I mean he has the potential to be a really great player. I mean, he's still so young. He can only improve from, from here. And the bar is already set extremely high. That Celtics loss, oh, it hurt. Like, And I'm not really a Celtics fan at all. Um, but I can feel how badly he wanted it. Um, I think he will be similar to a Kobe, but he needs that support. You know, like you said, he does have Kemba, of course, Taco Fall, Jalen Brown. You know, Hayward is a, a great player. You know, I was a fan of his when he was on the Jazz when he was first, you know, uh, in the NBA. And I think now he's faced a lot of injury. Um, I think he has been a little underwhelming when I had first seen him play as a young player. You know, I don't think he lived up to that potential. You know, we see that in a lot of young players. Um, so I'm really hopeful for Tatum. I think he has that drive. And especially, like you said, Skyler, with Kobe being a mentor and an idol to him. Um, and I think that is a big reason why we see Giannis stuck where he is. There's that barrier for him. And for Tatum himself, you know, this will be the period to fuel him. This will be that refining moment of these great skills he already has. And, you know... I mean, speaking of underutilized and underrated, what do you guys think about Russell Wilson? I mean, Jordan, what's your take on the NFL right now? So over his time in the league, I don't think there's been a player that's been more underrated and underappreciated than Russell Wilson. 
When people debate the top quarterbacks in the league, it seems like his name's always left out. And that being said, I believe Russell Wilson has jumped all the way up to being the second best quarterback in the league. And he's honestly been there in my eyes for the past couple seasons now, only trailing the great Patrick Mahomes. So my question to y'all is, would you guys agree with me in saying Russell Wilson is the second best QB in the league right now? And do you see him potentially winning the MVP at the end of the season? Absolutely. I can totally see Russell winning the MVP. By the way, shout out to Pete Carroll, former USC coach. Um, they work so well together. You know, just this, se- this season alone, you know, just playing a few games, Wilson has been incredible. It's insane. You know, I think one of the main reasons he may be underrated is because people just like to hate on him. You know, he's physically smaller in the scheme of the game I think he was not as desirable in that sense um I think a factor for why I would peg him as a MVP in terms of on the field is that he's one of the only QBs who can carry a team on his own consistently regardless of who else is on that roster which Mahomes is good at as well but so far in this season we're seeing Wilson averaging 300 yards a game four or five touchdowns each game and that is insane compared to what I've seen from Mahomes so far, I would put my money on Wilson this season. Well, Paris, Jordan, you guys bring up some excellent points. And I do agree that Russell Wilson is the second best player in the league right now. I am loving me some Russ. He is playing out of his mind. 14 touchdowns in three weeks? It's unheard of. It's never been, no one has thrown that many touchdown passes in the first three weeks of the season. He is balling out. The season is young, but after Mahomes throws four touchdowns on Monday Night Football, including one to his offensive lineman, Eric Fisher, and running one in, and his virtuoso performance in the first game of the season, I think he can go all the way and win another MVP. Lamar Jackson, reigning MVP, and his combination of speed and throwing ability is just next level. So we can't forget about him. You know, keep letting Russ cook like this, and he might be coming for the throne of Mahomes. But for now, Mahomes brings an incredible amount of value to this firepowered offense. And uh, it took him all the way to the Super Bowl last season. And I think this year it could take him all the way to another MVP and Super Bowl appearance at least. Russ this past weekend joined alongside an elite club alongside four other players in league history. And let me just give you the names of these other quarterbacks that have at least thrown four touchdown passes in three straight games. Those guys were Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, Pat Mahomes, and Drew Brees. When they beat the Pats last last week, Bill Belichick said it best. Honestly, I think he's in a way underrated by the media or the fans, I don't know, but I really see I really just don't see anybody better than this player. This man is like and in my opinion, um in my opinion, that was Bill Belichick's quote, in my opinion, this man is like a nice bottle of wine. He just keeps getting better with age. You said it best, Skylar, you said it uh you summed it up perfectly, Paris. This Guy is underrated. Uh, listen, I get it. There's a lot of eyes right now on the young star quarterback uh, talent right now, and I get it. They're, they're easily marketable. The The media loves him. The league loves him. But at the end of the day, we're going to see who's going to be holding the Lombardi trophy at the end of the year, and do not be surprised if it is my man, Russ Wilson, and I would be all for it. And I feel like a fact that a lot of people tend to forget is that Russell Wilson 
is already a Super Bowl champion. He might have won it in his first couple seasons in the league. He's actually been to two Super Bowls. We know how the second one ended with that amazing Malcolm Butler interception. But I think he's got the talent to run it back and get back to winning a Lombardi trophy. So speaking of elite quarterbacks, how about we talk about the greatest quarterback of all time in my eyes and his first season with his new team? All right, Jordan. Um, I don't know who you're talking about, because if it's Tom Brady, I refuse to acknowledge <laughs> that the Buccaneers are legit this season. I refuse. I admit it. I know. I'm not convinced. I'm not even close to being convinced. The Bucks lost again to the Saints. Against the Saints, sorry. Who are, like, average, right, this season? I mean, although Brady threw almost double the amount of yards, Bre- uh, Breeze did, both for two touchdowns, they still lost, and they go on to win against two teams who have yet to win a game. Panthers are 0-2, Broncos are 0-3. I admit I'm, I could never hop on the Brady bandwagon. Um, I admit he's a great player at the same time and will always be remembered as such, but even what we saw last season was a great player starting to get a little rusty. Um, I may be salty at the Pats and their monopoly for however long that was. I admit that. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Here's my take. Is that there is a good chance. Or, or you know what? It's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. But right now they got a winning record. But there is a chance that the Buccaneers actually may make the playoffs this year. But in reality, they're going to have to put up a little bit of a fight. But... In the end of the day, the really only contested matchups that I'm looking forward to watching is when he has to go head-to-head against Pat Mahomes um, later on in the season and when he has to go and face New Orleans again. And that is really going to be um, a true uh, telling uh, factor of what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, these Buccaneers are beyond overrated, if anything, we're forgetting here, right? I know I was just hyping up Russ Wilson, right, about how he's just getting better with age. But at the end of the day, right, Tom Brady, he's a guy who's who's 43. Um, and, and that's something that does matter when it comes to age, where he's getting up there. And you guys are forgetting about the season that he had last year, where he really did hit a wall. In the last 12 games, he, he only completed 59% um, percent of his passes for only 14 touchdowns. So, listen... Um, and oh, and oh, wait, let's not also forget about Gronk, uh, uh, the WWE superstar. I'm so happy that he's back. Um, listen, I love the guy, but like, come on here. Is this a Super Bowl caliber team? The guy's in the worst shape of his life. I mean, let's see him get back and then maybe we'll have a conversation and, and we could throw them in there. But uh, until they, they face Drew Brees again, um, and, and honestly, the Rams, yeah, all right, it'll be interesting, but it's not going to be the same until, until he, has to, he has to face Brees. All right, so I, I'm under the impression that the Bucks are only going to get better as the season progresses. Right now, we've seen for, through the first three weeks that their defense is honestly playing at an elite level. They have a great defensive line, great linebackers, young, secondary, but they're coming together. Um, but it's really been their defense that's carried this team um, while Brady and the offense develop chemistry. I know you guys mentioned Dylan and Skylar that uh, – or Paris, my bad. Dylan and Paris about – about how last season Brady really struggled. But I think it's important to note that Brady hasn't played with an offense this talented since the 08 season when he had Randy Moss and Wes Welker. Um, And that team was only one win away from the perfect season. Who was he throwing to last year? I mean, he had Edelman, who's great. He'll probably be potentially a Hall of Famer one day, but who else was there? So we haven't seen Brady with an offense this talented. 
Um, I think it's important to realize that Brady has also played in the same offensive system for the majority of his career under Josh McDaniels. So I kind of expected there to be a little bit of a learning curve adopting to Bruce Arians' offense. And that being said, um, I think the two have kind of become began to compromise and implement each other's offensive philosophies and schemes. And I think that's what we're going to continue to see as the season progressive. Hot take here. I think I think the Bucks are going to take the NFC South. And I'm going to have to see a little bit more before I can pencil them in to you know, come out of the NFC, which uh, I don't see happening. But I, I think they're going to come out of the NFC South. Um, TB12 has proven us wrong on countless occasions. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does so again. The Bucks are legit. They are only getting better by the week. As Jordan said, Brady has his best offense since 2007. He hasn't had receivers like this since in 13 years. He's got Mike Evans. He's got Chris Godwin. Brady threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in his third game with his first new system in 20 years with no interceptions and made one of the throws of his career to O.J. Howard, squeezing it in the space between the defender's helmet and his hand. Gronk is getting more involved. He hasn't had a chance to get his legs under him yet. Brady and Godwin have have so much connection, and he got two touchdown passes to Mike Evans, who, as I said, I think is his best receiver since Randy Moss in 2007. Brady and Evans had no communication in week one. They didn't even embrace after that first touchdown, but now they're hugging, they're laughing, and Brady's looking like he's having fun again, and that's dangerous for the rest of the league. Their defense is ferocious, and the special teams is looking more like what Brady is used to with that blocked punt instead of getting field goals blocked. We have to remember that there was no preseason. So that Saints game was, for the first time ever, so that Saints game was really the Buccaneers' preseason game to try things out for the first time. Of course, they are playing teams that aren't as great yet. But the way that they're able to start dominating so early speaks very well for their future. Brady hit a wall last year because he had the weakest weapons of his career. Uh, This Buccaneers team is a force to be reckoned with. They're just beginning to click with no preseason to work things out. And Jordan, I'm going to turn up the heat just a little bit on your hot take. I think the Buccaneers, they got Tom Brady. He's defied expectations. 43, motivated. I think the Bucs are going to face the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I'm going to hold you to that, Skyler. Oh, no, you did not. Oh, no, you did not. Oh, my goodness. Skyler, you know that this is on the record, right? This is on the record. Yeah. (laughs) This is on the record. I can't wait to pull this back up at the end of the season and laugh (laughs) in your face. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But listen, you know what? I would love it just for the purpose of the storyline that if this turned back and you were able to laugh in my face about it. Think about Brady and Mahomes, the matchup they had only two years ago. It's possible, but the NFC is tight. Rodgers having a throwback performance. Russ is cooking it up. Guys, that is all the time we have for today. This has been an absolute blast. And thank you for tuning in to another episode. And remember to always do it for the win. Thanks for listening to For the Win. Stay tuned for new episodes every Tuesday.